0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, uh, and today is another solo podcast, and we are uh, going to dive into part two of the program design series, which as I'm recording this, I still haven't thought of an actual title, so um, I'm just going to call this the Evidence-Based program design series and this is part two where we are going to dive into how you can determine volume, intensity, and frequency within your training program or your clientele if you're a coach listen to this. Um, So if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back, listen to part one. Part one was about assessing the client and setting the goal and timeline. We dove into goal setting. We talked a lot about concurrent trading, specificity, uh, realistic timelines of how you can achieve results. We talked about mobility and flexibility, um, how to achieve that, what is enough, what is too much, stack stretching, all those kind of things. Uh, we dove into a little bit of instability and weaknesses prior to determining how to program for yourself or somebody else. And then we just Discussed injury prevention and posture just a little bit, um, which also included RPE, um, uh, RIR, stuff like that. Highly encourage you guys to check that podcast out. Um, it was extremely informative. I really, really dove deep into a lot of that stuff. And uh, for the most part, it's, it's probably the most underrated, but potentially the most important aspects. Of getting results because it's kind of all the prerequisites, right? Before you can even dive into programming, before you can even determine what you need to do to get results long-term, you need to set yourself up for those results. You need to set yourself up for proper training. You need to set yourself up for what it takes to get you where you want to be. And that's going through all of the above, setting the goals, determining how you're going to be training, the specificity of your training, or the concurrent style of training, injury prevention, mobility, flexibility, so many things. Um, So it was a really, really informative podcast. Highly uh, encourage you guys to go check that out. I'm going to put a link to that in the description of this podcast. Um, And today, we're going to follow that one up with volume, intensity, and frequency. Before I get into that, I do want to give a couple quick shout-outs for the start of this podcast. Uh, Number one is going to be for Giant Lifting. Head over to GiantLifting.com and use the promo code TCM5 to save a little bit of cash on your order. Uh, Once again, guys, you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it twice, you've heard me say it many times before. uh, This is one of the best upcoming gym equipment companies there is in the game, especially for functional equipment. So uh, the primary... uh, tools I'm using and I know a lot of you guys are using are going to be barbells, dumbbells, plates, squat racks, pull-up bars. Um, If you use some specialty stuff, maybe you're throwing in some ropes, jump ropes, bands, balls, um, even things like sandbags and uh, cool different specialty bars or tools. They have all these things. They're, they're extremely uh, durable they're actually coming up with some cool kettlebells coming up too. And so if you're a kettlebell lover, they uh, I just was talking to the owners the other day, and uh, they are actually working with, and I'm not going to say any names just because I don't know if I'm allowed to. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this, to be honest with you. But um, they're working with one of the top kettlebell people in the game, and they're going to be coming out with some cool kettlebell shit. I, I made a request for an extremely heavy kettlebell, and that's how this conversation started. Uh, I was like, I need one that's like 100-plus pounds, uh, just one. and, and so, Because if you've never used a 100-pound kettlebell, I mean, for one, you could just deadlift it, and it's it's a great workout. But um, if you can do swings with a 100 to 150-pound kettlebell, it's just a great, great movement for uh, core stability, explosive hip strength, uh, hip strength in general, but power-generating hip strength. It's just such a great tool. Um, you can really only do a couple things with it. I know some savages that can press or even get up 100-pound kettlebells, and they're just or monsters or even snatch it, which a little bit out of my league, but I have bottoms up pressed a 70 pound kettlebell. So if you're, if you're somebody who knows about the, the b- bottoms up, that means you're swinging and cleaning it up, catching it in an upside down position. So the bell is facing up and pressing it all the way overhead and down strictly upside down. Fucking hard. But I have done that. But I made a request, so they're gonna be coming out with some really cool kettlebells. But once again, guys, these guys are expanding, they're opening up more warehouses. They're they're doing it right and they're doing it big. And so I highly encourage everybody to go check it out. Once again, uh, giantlifting.com. You can find them on Instagram at giant underscore lifting. Um, I tag them quite often in my post, so you can see them there as well. And uh, and yeah, use TCM five for a little bit of cash to save. The other thing I wanna bring up on this podcast today, since it is a training podcast, um, Obviously, I shout out the Taylor Trainer quite often. Uh, You can head to taylortrainer.net to check that out. But I wanted to shout out one of our guides because I think if you're listening to these podcasts and you're interested in the training, you're probably interested in program design, obviously, if you're listening to this, Um, which tells me you're probably interested in optimizing your training for yourself and your body because you're listening to this. So I want to uh, encourage you to go to tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash guides. And when you go there, there's two different guides that, uh, that I want you to check out. The first one is the performance bodybuilding guide. And the second one is the physique manual. Um, both of these are for uh, the everyday person who wants to take things to the next level. The performance bodybuilding one is a little bit more for intermediate advanced lifters. Um, if you're a beginner or you're new to it, you can still check out the book. You're going to learn a ton. Uh, some of it might be advanced strategies and tactics that you don't quite need yet you could use, but, but maybe you want to save those for a later time. And then the physique manual is literally created as a way to take bodybuilding, advanced bodybuilding principles that take people to the ultimate physique and break them down into a simplified format, um, in a way to apply them in a much simpler way for the everyday person. So it's literally the ultimate physique guide for gen pop. And I think that's literally the subtitle on the book. Um, both of them are jam-packed with information, have, have example training programs inside, um, and they're completely free. So go check those out because I think you guys are really going to like those. And if you want to take a lot of what I'm talking about today and, and actually apply it and, and see it in writing so you can utilize it, those are the guides to grab. And once again, you can find those at tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash guides. Uh, now, today... <laughs> we're diving into um, <clears throat> volume, intensity, and frequency. Uh, volume, intensity, and frequency have been popularized uh, very heavily over the last several years because in most research, they are the variables that we can control to determine um, a, uh, a positive result out of a study, right? So when we consider um, creating st- any type of result through, through research, really. So if we're trying to accomplish strength, if we're trying to accomplish hypertrophy, if we're trying to accomplish endurance, whatever it is, um, the the three variables we most often tweak and change in order to equate results, volume is the number one, but it's volume, intensity, and frequency, right? So uh, typically, in, in just some definitions here, volume, in the literature, volume equals how much work is being done. So this is classified typically as... Uh, Most specifically from a powerlifting world, that's going to be sets times reps times uh, load, right? So sets times reps times load equals blank tonnage. So for example, if you did 200 pounds uh, for three sets of 10, you would go 200 times three, which is 600, times 10, which is 6,000. That's 6,000 pounds of tonnage, right? That means you've moved 6,000 pounds. Um, If you go into the Taylor Trainer app, you will see um, how much, tonnage is being moved so quite literally i can pull it up right now and i think i can see the group itself how much weight we've lifted which is like millions it's actually really cool um i don't know if i can see it on my end because i'm in my client app um 133 million pounds lifted, 677 miles ran, and 6 million calories burned. (laughs) That is sick. I love that. Uh, And the, the miles is cool too because there's not a lot of running, right? We don't do a ton of running in there, but it just goes to show like between the biking and running. The rowing, you're getting some shit done, but uh, hundreds of millions of pounds move. But the, basically, what this is is again, this is tonnage. So sets times reps times load. Um, however, what we're going to be talking about a lot today, and what is most commonly uh, <clears throat> discussed when we're talking about program design, is volume from a sets and reps perspective. So a high volume set is probably going to have eight plus reps. For example, eight reps, four sets of eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty reps. Um, low volume sets might have four or five sets of one three five right typically six or less is considered low volume sets uh, eight plus is considered higher volume sets um However, we're also talking about volume from a per session perspective. So with that, it's how many sets per muscle group did you do in a single session, or how many sets total did you do? So if you're doing a leg day, how many total sets of work did you do today? Or if you're specifically trying to target hypertrophy, we look at this from a session and weekly basis per muscle. So how many sets per muscle group per day, per session did you do? So if we're talking about the quads, how many sets of quads did you do in this workout? How many sets of quads did you do per week if we're training with a higher frequency? Um, Um, And we're going to dive into the differentiators with those and why it's important to differentiate those here in a bit. Um, But typically, volume is just work done, right? How many sets, how many reps, how much total weight has been pushed, what have you done? Intensity is not always what people think it is. Um, And sorry if I have to clear my throat a few times. It's still pretty early. It's 8 a.m. here while I'm recording this. Um, I've been up for a couple hours, but uh, this is. You know, it's quiet time up until now, so I go from being extremely quiet and and getting uh, some back-end work done to jumping on a podcast and talking my ass off, so I apologize if I got to clear my throat a few times, but um, intensity is not usually what people think it is. When people think intensity, they think high-intensity intervals, right? They think effort, truly. Effort is how hard we're going, right? And we talked a little bit about effort last time. Uh, We're not going to dive a lot into effort today. Um, It was kind of the prerequisite to all this. And the reason it is, and that's why we discussed RPE, rate of perceived exertion, and RIR, reps in reserve, because those are gauges and kind of uh, ranking classifiers for how much effort you are putting forth in every rep, every set, so on and so forth. Uh, And the reason we talked about that in the last podcast, in the Assessing the Client, the kind of the prerequisite podcast for program design, the intro... Part one is because uh, you can have the most optimal volume, intensity, and frequency. Probably not intensity, but because I don't think you can, Uh, but you can have on paper the best volume, intensity, frequency. So let's say the best program ever. But if you're not putting forth the right effort, you're not going to get the most results, right? It's, it's the same thing with anything in life. Like what you put in is what you get out, right? So in training, the way we gauge that is with RPE and RIR, at least from a scientific basis. And if we stay within the right RPE and a right RIR, the volume we do is more productive. So we have junk volume and we have productive volume. Junk volume is typically volume. Uh, it's basically work done that is done at so little effort that you're not getting as much out of it as you can, or it's your form and execution is so poor that you're not getting the targeted uh, result you want. So for example, if you're doing a bicep curl, but you're swinging it and shrugging as you do it, you're getting a whole bunch of delt trap. I mean, everything, right? You're swinging, you get some hip hinge in there. You're shrugging it up. So you're getting your traps activated. You're barely even contracting your biceps, which is why people can dumbbell curl 50 pound dumbbells. And they say they have strong biceps. And it's like, no, you're compensating and you're doing junk volume. You're not getting a lot out of that volume because you're not hitting the targeted muscle that you're trying to target and you're get after. Um, but we talked about it in the last one, so if, if that doesn't make sense to you or you missed the last podcast, please go back to that and go check that out. Um, I also have a uh, a guide on Instagram uh, and a post on Instagram where I go into RPE, but I talk about this a little bit on the guide and then I refer to a post. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, go check those out too. Um, I'm going to start creating these; they're really cool. It's a way for me to get basically long form content onto Instagram, but it's a guide. It's it's uh, it's a long guide. So you, there's like a new tab on Instagram. I just started using these, and they're literally called guides. So this one is my training method and I dive into how I program programming and it's and it's really cool but uh go check that out because it'll dive into RPE and there's a post uh listed there and you can share posts within the guide that you can refer to and that has a whole post on RPE and RIR. But um <clears throat> point being is is that's that's a different side of intensity, right? Intensity defined in the literature is actually load. So when we see uh, intensity while we're reading a study, it's actually referring to the weight on the bar relative to your one rep max. So for easy math, let's say your one rep max is 200 pounds. Well, an intensity of 80% is getting 80% of the load comparative to your one rep max on the bar. So uh, I don't have great math skills, but I don't know what that is, like 175 pounds, 180 pounds. Let's just do it so I don't look stupid, but I already do because I already messed up the math. It's 160 pounds. So 80% of your wonder at max, if your wonder at max is 200 pounds, is a, is 160 pounds, right? So the intensity is 160 pounds, which is really 80%, right? So 80% intensity equals 160 pounds because your wonder at max is 200. So I know that can kind of sound confusing because there's, you know, is it a percentage of effort? Is it a percentage of load? Is it the load? Quite technically, it's literally the load, but they are referring to this load based on uh, your one rep max in a given lift. Frequency is how often we are are training an exercise or a muscle group. So in the strength world, frequency is much more geared towards a lift. And the reason for that is because in the strength world, you're, you're primarily focused on improving one rep maxes in your lifts, right? So if you're training the bench press and you want a high frequency bench press program in order to improve your bench press, you're probably going to be doing the bench press two to three times a week. If we are referring to this in a body composition perspective, we are probably looking at this from a hypertrophy point and it's going to be a muscle group. So if we are training for uh, better gains in the chest, since we're using the bench press example, if we're training to improve our chest and our pecs for hypertrophy development, then we are training the chest two to three times a week. That might not be a bench press every time. It might be, uh, you know, three sets of bench and flies on Monday, three sets of incline bench press and decline flies on Wednesday. And then it might be a push up and a dip on Friday, three times a week. That's a high frequency program for the chest. Um, So those are the the definitions here of volume, intensity, and frequency. And today, the goal is to help you understand those better, uh, what's most important for your goals, and then obviously determine how to use those in programming. So how do we determine what our uh, volume, intensity, and frequency really need to be, right? Um, So with that being said, let me clear my throat six more times. Um, I'm not used to podcasting this early. I don't know why it's so difficult for me. But um, first and foremost, we have to specify what our goal is. And that's going to determine the priority here, right? And the priority being volume, intensity, and or frequency. Now, frequency is a tool. Volume and intensity is a specific goal is how I would how I would classify these, right? So if we're specific, specifying a specific goal, and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, two thirds of the volume we do in the gym or three fourths, it's, it's, it's a debate. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's semantics. Uh, that's going to determine how much of our volume goes to that specific goal. So what we do know based on research is that doing both works better, if not the same, by a small percentage, right? So in an eight-week study, uh, this study uh, is listed on PubMed, so I will link this in the descriptions. Uh, the The study is by uh, a whole bunch of people, Leonardo Calverho, Roberto Jr., Gabriela Truffi. I'm not going to name all the people in all these studies today, but I will link to this study in the podcast, and it is called Is Stronger Better? Influence of a Strength Phase Followed by a Hypertrophy Phase on Muscular Adaptations in Resistance-Trained Men. Uh, and what this study showed is that, um, doing both is going to work a little bit better. And we are going to get into a little bit of periodization here with our reps throughout the week. And we're going to talk about undulation, which is going to be related to this. But the reason I wanted to start with this one is because as we're determining our specific goal and how that determines the, uh, that two thirds principle, right? The two thirds principle of two thirds of our training volume throughout the week, which means I don't even want you to think about volume in that sense, since I'm going to be using it as a different definition, um, Two thirds of your program, two thirds of what you are doing in the gym is going to be specifically targeting your main priority goal, right? Uh, in in previous years, we, you know, we talked a lot and we're going to talk about more about periodization on the next podcast, but block periodization was very popular, linear block periodization. And this is the idea that we have blocks of time dedicated to something, right? So a block periodization model that is typical, there's a block of accumulation, which is a higher volume pr- block. And then there's an intensification, which is a lower volume block. And then there's a realization block, which is like a testing block. This is where we go to peaks. We test one rep maxes. We're doing high intensity power output. Um, if you're not testing things, we might, this might look like Uh, hypertrophy, strength, power, and then rinse and repeat. Strength and power are so closely tied that you spend the majority of your time doing strength and power with a block periodization approach. Um, which in my opinion is a, is a problem for anybody who wants uh, body composition changes because the majority of your time is not spent directly focusing on body composition tra- changes. And this does abide by the two thirds principle if we look at a year. But if we look at a weekly basis, it's, it does not. So what this study showed is that for hypertrophy, it is actually better to do a little bit of strength training. Now what they found in these groups, they had two groups and they had one group where they essentially um, had one group do just strength. And then they had one group do um, strength and hypertrophy, right? So the strength and hypertrophy group actually gained a little bit of more muscle, uh, and it was mainly in the first four weeks. Um, and, and and actually, I shouldn't say the first four weeks, that was a, a study on... Uh, now that I'm looking at this, on uh, undulated periodization, which we're going to get to in a bit. But what this study showed is they compared both groups and uh, they, their results support the use of a period of time where they're increasing strength focus prior to hypertrophy focus to increase what they found was muscle thickness and maximal strength. So basically, <clears throat> this idea is that by doing a strength block before a hypertrophy block, you are going to see increases in gains. And it is by a small percentage, but it was significantly statistic statistically significant enough for them to discuss it and to result at that at the end of the study, which tells me that it's worth it, right? So, if we know this, we know that doing both works better, even if it's by a small percent. Um, now, we can, do, we can do this in one of two ways. We can do this by uh, doing a block periodization style, but spending more time doing hypertrophy. So, it's not the typical textbook block periodization, but it does tell us that we should do strength training prior to hypertrophy training. And this might mean spending four weeks doing strength, eight weeks doing hypertrophy if your goal is body composition, or eight weeks doing strength, four weeks doing hypertrophy if your goal is strength. Either way, we're splitting it up two-thirds or three-fourths. However, there's also a lot of research that shows that you could do this on a weekly basis. So maybe that means that two-thirds of your training is still hypertrophy if your goal is body composition changes, but one-third or one-fourth of it is going to be strength-based every single week. Um, and again, we'll, we'll lay this out of what this looks like later in the podcast, but primarily what I'm trying to get you guys to preface with is that your specific goal determines the priority here. Um, and that's two-thirds of your, your work done is gonna be focused on that specific goal. Body composition, so if your goal is fat loss or muscle growth, you're gonna be stuck in the hypertrophy range and then keeping some of it in the strength range. And the reason for this is because uh, stronger is better for hypertrophy is what this this research study concluded as, and it makes sense. they've said this for a long time. A stronger muscle has the potential to become a big a bigger muscle. And this happens by a few things. One, If we are, and I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper later, but if we get stronger, we are better at recruiting motor units and muscle fibers, which is going to lead us to be able to build more muscle and recruit more muscle fibers and and build more muscle fibers. Um, But also it allows us to increase strength. And if we increase strength, when we go into those higher volume periods or sets where we're doing eight, 12, 15 reps, we are probably going to be able to lift heavier, even just by a fraction of those. And if we go to the literal definition of volume, it's, sets times reps times weight. So even if we continue to do four sets of eight, but we added five pounds over the course of four sets of eight, we add hundreds of pounds, right? In uh, total tonnage. So over the week, we're adding hundreds of pounds over months. We're adding thousands of pounds and that's going to accumulate more volume. So we always want to get stronger. However, It might be better to do this on a weekly basis versus a monthly basis. It's solely up to you and what you can adhere to. I personally like doing strength at the beginning of a training session. So, um, for example, yesterday was uh, my second upper body day of the week, and my compound lifts were overhead press and chin-ups, and I was doing sets of three. Um, I followed those up with uh, a moderate strength set because I am pretty focused on strength right now. Um, Six to eight reps in the dumbbell floor press and one-arm row, but then I went into high rep volume for shoulders, back, upper back, bicep, stuff like that, bicep work. So I was literally doing the strength work before the bodybuilding work and I do that on a daily basis versus somebody who did it on a monthly period staying in that one to six rep range and then for two months straight staying in that eight to 15 rep range, let's say. Um, there's two different ways to spin it but the the main point, this first part here that I'm prefacing, is your specific goal determines the priority of your volume. So the work done in the gym, two-thirds of it or three-fourths of it, whether we're looking at a quarterly basis, a monthly basis, or a weekly basis, or a per session basis, two-thirds to three-fourths of it should be focused on your main goal. If your main goal is hypertrophy, two-thirds or three-fourths of your training should be focused on that training specifically for that. So, um, we know concurrent training works, we talked about that, but we also know that specificity is still a principle of success, so you should lean more so on the specific metric you're trying to accomplish or improve. Now, before we can change what we're doing, we have to discuss your current volume, intensity and frequency, right? So if we're going to dive into what is the optimal amount of volume, intensity and frequency and we want to change how much volume, intensity and frequency you're utilizing in order to get you to the endpoint, we have to understand what is best, right? Or or what are you currently doing before we can determine what is best Um, now? Your current volume, intensity, and frequency is best to base off of what your current like tracker looks like. If you don't have a tracker, start tracking. Or your current program, if you're using an app, something like that. Look through that and track your volume per set. So volume is one of the biggest determinants of, of results, period. And it's the easiest variable to change. Because most of the time, if we equate that, things things tend to equate itself so if we're after strength we can try to equate volume in two different groups that are using different strategies and see if it makes a difference right that would tell us does this strategy change anything right yes or no Um, same with frequency does frequency at a higher level change the result we see just because of frequency being at a higher level Well, we will only know if we have a group doing low frequency a group doing moderate frequency and a group doing high frequency and we equate volume across the board does low reps equal more strength versus high reps we would only know if we equate volume, right? So we have to equate volume. So um, volume is one of the the main variable equators. Because of that, it's the first thing we're gonna uh, recommend tracking. So the easiest way to do this is track your volume per set, per muscle, per week, right? Um, we can get into semantics and go, is that a full set, is it a half set? Because we have secondary muscles, for example. If you wanna get extremely technical, um, and if you wanna get nitty, nitty gritty, then I would do this. If you don't wanna get that nitty gritty, don't count any secondary things, count direct things, and just base your secondary muscles on the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to what the optimal range of volume is, which we're going to talk about later, but it's, I've said a million times, 10 to 20 sets, 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week is typically the recommendation. And what that would mean is, is in this scenario of tracking our volume per set per muscle per week in a bench press, do we just track that for chest? Do we track that for shoulders, chest, and triceps? What do we do? Well, to make it easy, what you can do is track it just for chest. It would be one set per muscle group per week. So if you did four sets of bench on Monday, that is four sets, four chest per week that you're doing. If you did dumbbell bench press for four sets on Thursday, you just doubled it, right? So you're now you're doing eight sets if you did four on Thursday as well. So now you're doing four sets on Monday, four on Thursday, two different exercises, but you're doing for chest, you are doing eight sets per muscle per week for chest. Now, that's the easy one um, don't count it for example, shoulders and triceps. And then when you are totaling up your volume for shoulders and triceps, it will be on the lower end of the spectrum. And that's fine for your chest. You're really not going to use it very much except in these main movements. Now you, one could argue you do activate the chest in an overhead press, not as much as you would activate the shoulders in a bench press. You do activate the chest in even a lat pull down, believe it or not. Um, not as much as you would activate the lats in a lat pull down uh, by even a landslide. Not even as much as your shoulders would probably kick in for for a bench press. So in that reason, your your chest might be on the higher end of that volume spectrum, and your triceps and shoulders might be on the lower end of that spectrum because they're targeted or hit as a secondary muscle group more often than the chest, and that's fine. Um, now, if you're somebody who and this is, this is pretty common, this is where you might want to get nitty gritty with it. If you're somebody who uses your shoulders quite often in a bench press because maybe you have uh, an active chest, maybe the way your posture is, um, you might notice this by uh, your shoulders being burnt out after a bench press or maybe you have a, a heavy bench press but you have small pecs Um, somebody could do this with squats, right? If you have weak quads or you have a very long femurs and you have a very hip dominant squat, you're probably using a lot more glutes than the typical person. So you might want to be more nitty gritty with this because now that volume becomes more, more important and you don't want to overcompensate somewhere. Right. And the reason I say that is because if you count just the chest for bench press, but you use quite a bit of shoulders, that's going to affect your trackability and your progress with shoulders because you're going to be inaccurately basing your volume for your shoulders based on the fact that you use quite a bit of shoulders in your bench press and you're not counting that. So, in these scenarios, what you would do is give it a half a point. So, you go do the bench press, you get one full point for the chest, you get a half a point for triceps, half a point for for the shoulders, and at the end of the week, you really wanna kinda keep keep everything around the same base point unless you're trying to specialize in something. And what that means is this 10 to 20 range, you're not gonna have triceps and shoulders closer to the 10 and then your chest closer to the 20, you're gonna have everything closer to the 15 to 20 range because you're counting these half points for for everything you do as a secondary. Um, It gets more complicated, but if you get a spreadsheet, and you just put the muscle groups and you calculate it. It's actually not too hard if you look at your training program. Um, and I've done this. And if you're at a plateau, this is a great way to do it. You know, even if you're in the Taylor trainer, you can do this. And the Taylor trainer, all of the programs are based on scientific uh, volume totals, but everybody's individual. So some people need more volume in certain areas. So you could be following a program and you could go, you know what, I need to add a set on triceps I need to add a set on quads because I'm more glute dominant because I'm not getting enough tension there or I just have stubborn quads and I want to grow them so um, or or build them or define them or whatever but the point is you're going to track volume per set per muscle per week Um, now the best studies uh, conducted on this are all based on adding volume not creating random new baselines, which it's hard to know what's best because most of these studies done on volume, but they're all set targets, making the volume jump different per person. What that means is if we look at a lot of the volume that we're doing uh, or that we're seeing in these uh, uh, studies, what we're finding is that most of it is done by saying, and you literally what is best five versus 10 versus 15 sets per muscle group per week there's some that are on seven nine and 13 there's some that are on 10 15 20 there's even some that go to 40 Um, a lot of these are unrealistic because even for 40 they're going 40 and they're doing leg press bench press and lat pull down for example main compound movements great but we might be hitting 40 sets of lats, of chest, of quads from the leg press, bench press, and lat pull-down, but we're hitting very, very low amounts of volume directly for all the other muscle groups. And what that means is your total volume done in the gym from a systemic and a global perspective is actually not that high. Um, So your lats, chest, and quads might be getting blown up but your glutes, hamstrings, delts, rear delts, traps, biceps, triceps, abs, all these things are not getting blown up. And what that means is what your body is neurologically able to recover from, so your actual central nervous system, which is going to control your total recovery, not just your muscle tissue, but your skeletal system, your, your recovery from a neurological perspective, your joints, all that, those kind of things, is still not that high. So if you say, if you read this study, it says 40 sets per muscle group per week leads to exponential growth it's just completely unrealistic. And if you go do that for all your muscle groups, you're just going to burn yourself out. So what they started doing, and I couldn't find the research study, but I've talked to a couple of researchers on this personally, uh, one of which actually did this study and I just can't find it. um, And I didn't have time to text him and get it before making the notes for this this morning. Um, But they have done a new study and it is based on percentage of increase in volume, which is great because if we go into a study and we go, what's best, 10, 15, or 20, and the participants were all doing random amounts of Uh, training volume prior to the study, how do we really know what worked best, right? We might see 20 sets on average works best, but it's because that's the highest increase of percentage. But if we can control it and say, hey, in this study, we're going to assess what people are currently doing. So people are going to track their volume and come into the study. Some people are doing eight sets per week. Some people are doing 12. Some people are doing 16. And instead of saying, what is the best volume total per muscle per week? We're going to say, what is best to increase hypertrophy? a 10%, 20%, or 30% increase on total volume per week. Um, and I don't remember the exact percentages they did, but this is where it, it became way more practical and we saw a direct increase based on percentage. So what we know is it's not necessarily some magic number. It's more along the lines of an increase of in volume. More volume is typically better. There is diminishing returns. You will burn out if you do too much, obviously, because you can only grow or build or get results from what you can actually recover from. However, what we know is that 10 sets isn't best, 15 isn't best. What really is best is an increase in percentage, an increase of what you're doing for volume. Now, when we're uh, looking at current frequency, extremely easy, how often are you training a muscle or movement per week? So if you're doing an upper-lower split, your frequency is two times a week. If you're doing a push-pull leg split, it's two times a week. If you're doing a full-body split, it might be three to four times a week for some muscles. It might be two for some muscles, so it'll be different. So now you can categorize it per muscle, um, which is one thing that's great about full-body programs because... What you can do with a full body is if you want to specialize in a muscle group, you can train four or five days a week, and you can have everything at one to two times frequency to keep it at, like, maintenance, and then you can increase frequency of the muscles you want to grow, like, one to two muscles – say it's glutes and traps randomly, um, you can increase the volume from a frequency perspective. You can hit those specific muscle groups more often throughout the week to grow them and maintain the other ones. But volume, assessing your current volume uh, frequency is very easy. Just see how much you're training each muscle group. And then assessing your current intensity is pretty easy as well. It's mainly dictated on your reps. So if you're doing lower rep ranges, your, your current intensity is high. If you're doing higher rep ranges, your current intensity is low. And again, this doesn't mean you're not pushing it because your effort can be extremely high in all of the above in any of these scenarios. However, your intensity is literally the load used. If you're doing extremely high reps, bodybuilding style training... Your, your intensity, your loads used probably are on the lower end of the spectrum relative to your one rep max, which means you're probably staying in the, the 50 to 80% rep range because you're doing sets of eight to 20 reps. Um, so that's how you assess the current intensity. Um, obviously, there's more detail with the volume just because it's a little more tricky to track. Now, how do we choose what our total volume is? Well, there's a few research studies that I'm going to refer to and then I'm going to give you kind of a blanket statement of what I think you should do. Um, the first one was really interesting and it was about genetics. So how do genetics play a role in the volume? And, and this uh, research study is also linked in the description like the rest of them. And it is called Benefits of Higher Resistance Training Volume Depends on Ribosome Biogenesis. And that is uh, ribosome biogenesis is basically just a fancy way of saying your, your genetics, right? Um, and what they found is there's a dose-dependent uh, dose relationship between training volume and muscle hypertrophy. Um, on the individual level, benefits of higher training volume was associated with increased ribosome biogenesis, um, is what they concluded with. But as you go through the bullet points of the study, if you actually check this out, or if you are a subscriber of, I believe, Mass, uh, it may have been a different research review, but I believe Mass Research Review um, reviewed this. Basically, or no, I'm sorry, I think it was... Uh, uh, James Krieger in the volume Bible, which you can easily find on Google for free. And it's just type in volume Bible, James Krieger. But what they found is that genetics don't matter as much as we thought when it, or I'm sorry, ge- genetics do matter just as much, but in a way they don't. So it's very, it's, it's a kind of uh, an oxymoron, I know, but it's, it's very complicated because basically what they found is that, you know, your ge- genetics can determine your growth um, but they also don't matter from a rep range perspective. So it, it for a long time, you know, there's some people who believe gen- genetics basically like determine your results. And to an extent, it's true. I think genetics determine how fast you get results, but I think anybody can get results. Sometimes it's just your genetics are more stubborn. Um, and that would be what I would classify as bad genetics. People have stubborn genetics and we just, got to be a little more tricky with programming and nutrition and supplementation and stuff like that to get you to the point you want to get to however what they did is they took people um in in the reason genetics don't matter for hypertrophy would be because if you're uh for a long time that it was based on fiber type right so if you're uh fiber type dominant is is fast twitch fibers a lot of times people would be like oh you you are probably going to do better with uh low rep training you're going to grow from low rep training because you're more uh your lower, uh, uh, your, your, your fiber types are more dominant for the lower rep range. So fast twitch fibers are more explosive, quick, quote unquote, fast twitch, literally. Um, so you're, you're going to respond to low rep training better. And there's still some debate on that, I would say, because I still believe that to an extent. But what they found is that if they put these people who are uh, quote unquote, low rep dominant people on a high volume program, they grew. And if they put high rep dominant people, quote unquote, on a higher volume program, they grew. If they put people from the low, uh, like the low rep dominant people in a low volume program, they just didn't grow as much. Still, even though that was more, uh, uh, relative to their rep, to their like style of training. And as you could expect the people who are more high rep dominant, these, these slow twitch fiber people, they didn't grow much on the low volume program either. So it kind of rules out the fact that, you know, number one, genetics play the role in growth from a perspective of if you're, if your genetics are primed to grow, you're going to grow, you're going to build muscle. But at the same time, um, your, your rep range doesn't determine that as much as your total volume does. Um, so what this means for a lot of people is basically when we're choosing our volume total, we we kind of can rule out the fact that low volume programs work for for some people. It's just not true. I think there are people who respond great to low rep training programs. So implementing low reps with high intensities. So lifting heavy needs to be in some of these people's programs because that's how they recruit motor units and muscle fibers best. And that's what their dominant fiber type is. However, if there isn't a higher volume or an increase in volume, whether that's because you're adding a ton of extra sets and load through these low rep sets, or you're just adding in high rep sets on top of that, um, which can be easier to hit your volume totals, you're just not going to grow. So volume is the key. Now, we also saw there was another study that kind of contradict this, but I want to explain why. And this study was called Effects of a Modified German Volume Training Program on Muscle Hypertrophy and Strength. And for if you don't know what German volume training is, it's very simple. It's 10 by 10. So you do back squats, 10 sets, 10. Bench press, 10 sets, 10. Overhead press, 10 sets, 10. A, a, like once, basically, if you have an upper lower split, you know, deadlift, 10 by 10. Uh, bench press 10 by 10, squat 10 by 10, overhead press 10 by 10. It's brutal. It's a lot of sets Um, and it's very high volume. So you would think that it would grow. Um, But what they found, and I'm going to quote this, it seems that the modified German volume training program is no more effective than performing five sets per exercise for increasing muscle hypertrophy and strength to maximize hypertrophic training effects. It is recommended that four to six sets per exercise be performed as it seems to gains will plateau beyond this set range and may even regress due to overtraining. So basically, what they found here is more volume is better, but not without variation. So this is what we're pointing to, right? So all these studies are showing us um, genetics aside, reps aside, all these things, volume equals more growth. And it's not because there's a there's a specific number that's best for everybody. It's because an increased volume from your current standpoint is what's going to lead to growth. That's that's essentially progressive overload from a volume perspective. But if we do too much, there's diminishing returns, right? And if we do too much of the same thing, this is why it said four to six sets per exercise, not per muscle group, per exercise. So instead of doing ten sets of ten on the bench, you would do four to six sets of of ten or eight or whatever on the bench, and then you would do chest flies, you would do dips, you would do a different variation of a chest exercise. Um, specifically, like, ideally targeting a different movement pattern. So um, the press is a lot of uh, shoulder – um, protraction, for example, and a lot of shoulder retraction to create the stretch, protraction to create the shortening. Um, a fly would be shoulder abduction, adduction and abduction. So that's a completely different movement pattern from a joint perspective. And that's probably going to be the most ideal from a programming perspective. But that, if we did 10 sets of that muscle group versus five sets of that muscle group, and we had the 10 split sets split up into two different exercises, I guarantee we would see an increase in growth based on these different research studies we see. The next one to consider is that when we're we're talking about choosing volume is 8 to 12 sets per session uh, per muscle group maxes out muscle protein synthesis. So this actually uh, accompanies that German volume program pretty well. So if we take most literature that shows more volume is better, then we take uh, this German volume training program, which said uh, less volume is better if it's the same exercise. Now we know, okay, we have to do more volume, but we have to change the exercise variation so we can't just do the same thing over and over again. However, this study, which is called resistance exercise volume affects myofibrillar protein. That's a hard word to say. Myofibrillar Protein synthesis and anabolic signaling molecule uh, phosphorylation in young men, and what they found here is is essentially that after eight to twelve sets, I believe this was done by um, uh, Stuart Phillips' lab. So he had a bunch of people on it, but Stuart Phillips is a really, really well known protein researcher um, who has really paved the the way for a lot of protein stuff. Uh, But what they found is that eight to 12 sets is per session per muscle is, is ideal. It maxes out MPS. So after 12 sets, we do see diminishing returns and it's because you have a negative feedback of muscle protein synthesis, which is the signal to grow. So knowing this, we should probably stay in that eight to 12 rep range, right? If you're a beginner or intermediate, probably eight, maybe 10 at most. If you're advanced, around 10 up to 12 at most. Um, And we should stay below that, especially considering that, which I'm gonna point out next, if we look at most total volume research, it tends to let us know that this bell curve or this this range of volume is typically between 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week as a sweet spot. There are some advanced individuals who can go a little bit above that. Um, You can go a lot above that if you don't train other muscle groups. Like I said, 40 sets per muscle group in a week has been shown to be effective. However, they weren't training all the muscle groups, Equally, and therefore, we can't say that 40 sets per muscle group is effective nor applicable. But what we can say is that when we're looking at a balanced program and we're hitting all the muscle groups in the body equally per week, 10 to 20 sets is the optimal range. Um, knowing that, we also know that 8 to 12 is the per session max when we were trying to max out an anabolic signal. And what this means is that we're going to set our frequency up as a certain way as well based on this Research. So we now know that more volume is better, regardless of your fiber type, fiber type or genetics or anything. We also know that more of the same exact thing is not always better. Therefore, we have to create variation of our exercises to hit the muscle group. Um, We also know that 10 to 20 sets per week is the optimal sweet spot for 90% of people, Um, and then we know that 8 to 12 is the the not only the optimal but the max. Before MPS muscle protein synthesis starts to diminish, and then we have negative feedback for the results we're getting. So, how do we do this? How do we how do we uh, use a tool to organize this? Well, it's frequency, right? Frequency is literally a tool, um, and we've had. Countless research studies on, on frequency, and we're going to get into that in a sec. But the reason I'm bringing up frequency next is because frequency is, is how often we hit a muscle group. Um, and we have a, a research study that literally shows that we have actually multiple, but um, one that literally shows I'm going to exa- use an example right now that volume overrules frequency as it makes no difference if volume is equated. Um, this specific study is called Effect of Resistance Training Frequency on Gains in Muscular Strength, a systematic review and meta analysis, which is great because they go through a whole bunch of stuff. James Krieger and Brad Schoenfelder on this one, which is a good sign because both of them are extremely intelligent and really heavily into the volume research. Um, Basically what they found here is that, you know, one time a week frequency is suboptimal. Um, Over three times a week frequency is probably too much. However, None of this matters if volume is equated. So they've done research showing one time a week can be just as effective as two, three, or four times a week. And they've also done research that shows four or five times a week can be just as effective as one or two times a week. And the reason is because volume is equated, which I talked about earlier. Volume is, is kind of the, the master equator, right? If we equate volume, there's no difference. And what that means is that frequency is not a determiner of results. Volume is. And intensity, depending on your goal, which I'll get to in a sec. However, frequency is a tool to optimize your volume or, in, or intensity to be able to recover from what you're trying to do. So, for example, if we know that 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week is the sweet spot, and let's say you're more of an advanced lifter, so you're in that 15 to 20 set per week per muscle range. Now we have to m- maximize each session at 8 to 12. Well, if you're only training one time a week, You have to do 15 to 20 sets of that muscle in that single session, which would be like a bro split, like a chest day, a quad day, a a shoulder day, a back day, glute, hamstring day. Um, That's a typical bro split from bodybuilding. Well, that means you're doing at least 15 to 20 sets in a single session, right? Number one, that's common. Otherwise, like... You can't fill up a full hour of training without doing that many sets total. And if you're only doing one muscle group, you're hitting all of those sets in one muscle group. And two things happen here that are going to impact the volume and intensity. Number one, we know that you're going to go over that 12 set per per session range for that muscle group, which means muscle protein synthesis is going to drop off, and that means you're actually going to have uh, negative feedback. You're going to have diminishing returns. So you you'll get results from half of the program, but the other half can actually lead to overtraining and potentially negative results if you're not smart or careful with recovery. Um, And it's going to be hard to recover from period, which is why you need a full week, which is not the optimal range because a muscle recovers fully after 72 hours, which means that you're leaving days on the table of not sending an anabolic signal to that muscle anyway. This is also why two times a week is probably most advantageous, two to three times a week. But we also know that your intensity is going to drop off. So if we're trying to build strength and muscle, like we talked about earlier, we know that at the beginning of a session, you're going to be freshest and you're going to be your strongest. But if your, your sets in a single session are so high, uh, especially for one single group, we know that your, your intensity is going to lower throughout that Day as well. So how do we keep volume in this sweet spot without seeing diminishing returns and we keep intensity in each session per muscle as high as possible to one, build strength and two, keep effort high. We use frequency as a tool to split up that volume throughout the week. So now, even if you're doing 20 sets per week, we can hit the chest or the quads or whatever two times at least, if not three times per week, and we can do those 20 sets spread out across two to three sessions, which is gonna allow us to lift heavier in each session because we're not fatiguing the muscle to such a great degree. We're gonna keep muscle protein synthesis higher, which means it's gonna be more anabolic, it's gonna grow more and recover better, and we're gonna be able to uh, recover overall from a systemic perspective because we're not reaching that overtraining range, which we saw when we do too many sets of the same exercise or same muscle in a single session. Right. So frequency is just a way to determine or, or it's a tool to use to spread out your volume. Um, and there was even another study called high frequency resistance training does not promote greater muscular adaptations compared to low frequencies in young untrained men. And this, this proves exactly what I'm saying here. We know that um, frequency doesn't make a difference if its uh, volume is equated uh, on the higher end or the lower end and high frequency levels out. So at a certain point, it makes no difference um, even if it's it's spreading your volume out more and more. So this is where, again, we kind of have this sweet spot. And what all the research shows us at this point is that two to three times a week um, is probably optimal. Uh, not because research says that two times is better than one or three times is better than four or one, because we know that it doesn't matter if volume is equated, but because from practical application, it, it works best. So in order to hit the right amount of volume per muscle, per session, and per week while keeping your intensity range or loads in the right area, it is going to be most optimal or most easily achieved by hitting the muscle groups two to three times per week. That's frequency. So now we know what the optimal volume is. We know what the vo- optimal uh, frequency is. Now we have to determine what the volume or the intensity is, and that's depend on your goal. So there's, you know, There's a lot of good studies on this. Um, There's two specific ones that I have in here. Um, And this is more about rep ranges, but rep ranges are directly tied to intensities because um, a a low rep range is a higher intensity, right? Um, And this study is is called Effects of 4, 8, and 12 Repetition Maximum Resistance Training Protocols on Muscle Volume and Strength. And what they found here is that um, when volume was equated, muscle growth was completely the same. However, in the low volume group, strength was increased more. So this is to let us know that rep ranges aren't specific to volume. So you can build muscle in the 3, 5, 7, 9, 13, 20, any of those rep ranges, as long as volume is equated. Um, this is exactly like a frequency aspect. It's more about application, right? If we look at recovery, that's where this comes into play. And I'm going to get into that in a sec. Um, But we also know that lower volume sets, so doing lower reps is going to be better for strength. And that's simple. It's more specific to lifting heavier loads. Uh, Muscle is built by tension. So whether you create maximal amount of tension through heavy, low, rep training or high rep, low load training, you're going to create a maximum amount of tension in the muscle. And that stress of tension is what creates muscle growth. But strength is very neurologically based, which means you literally need to lift heavy to maximize strength, which is why if you want to get way stronger, you need to lift in the one to five rep range. Most of the time, we also know based on the last podcast that this is probably going to encourage more injuries based on powerlifting research and research done on powerlifters. They have more injuries due to training in a higher uh, load range, a higher percentage range. So for most people listening to this podcast, I know that your goal is either mixed. uh, You want body composition changes and performance changes, or you primarily want body composition changes, but you also want to get a little bit of strength on the side. And therefore, it's probably best to keep most of your training in those higher rep ranges with higher volumes, less uh, low rep sets because you're more likely to encourage injury, but we know we need both. Um, so what does this lead us to? Well, the intensity sweet spot and estimating how much we need to be doing, uh, throughout the week is probably going to be in the 65 to 85% range. 85% is the lower end of, of absolute strength, which means that we can, you know, if we're doing three to five reps at 85%, you're lifting heavy and it's very nar- neurologically based and you're, you're, um, getting strength gains from that, but it's leaving enough in the tank 15% compared to your max, uh, max load. Being able to lift your one rep max so that you're gonna decrease injuries compared to lifting in the 90 to 95% range, which is most optimal for strength, but also most likely to encourage uh, injuries. Um, below 65%, we kind of see uh, far less gains. So when we look at intensity for hypertrophy, when we go below 65%, it just takes so long to accumulate enough tension in the muscle. And this is where, like, We have to stop thinking about rep ranges for muscle growth. So there's no like strength zone, um, hypertrophy zone, and then endurance zone. There is a strength zone, but it's not because three to five reps. It's because you're working at a certain percentage of one rep max and level of intensity. And it's the same thing with hypertrophy. 8 to 12 reps is the hypertrophy zone from old textbooks, and that's probably going to be the best zone for hypertrophy, but it's not because 8 to 12 reps is magical. It's because 8 to 12 reps puts you in a percentage of your one rep max that allows you to create a lot of tension in a given set without extending the set so long that you're turning it into a metabolic workout, or it's taking so much time, right, to finish the workout. Because if you do a set of Uh, At 50% of your runner at max, you're going to reach 30, 40, 50 reps before you accumulate enough tension in the muscle, but it's also so metabolically fatiguing it takes forever to recover from it, and now I'm at the gym for twice as long. And in the same way, if you're doing sets of three to five to build muscle, you're going to have to do seven to ten sets of three to five in order to accumulate enough volume and tension in the muscle to build muscle. But those also take a lot of your nervous system. They take a lot of time to recover from and they just take longer because you're doing more sets, which means again, we're gonna be at the gym way longer. So this hypertrophy zone isn't a magical rep zone. It's actually just the most efficient zone to stay in if you wanna make the most out of your time in the gym. So it's uh, the the strength zone, hypertrophy zone, endurance zone. It's kind of one of those things where it's, it's true, but it's not true. It's not true technically, but it is true in application to an ex- a certain extent. So this is why I've, I've kind of concluded that 65 to 85% is your sweet spot for uh, intensity throughout the week for most of your training, regardless of your goal. 90 to 95% is the occasional max effort lifts where you you take things a little bit further for strength, and it's very, uh, very occasional. Um, Most hypertrophy training is in that 70 to 80%, which is why I said on average 65 to 85%. Um, and we can we can base that on research and on application. And then your estimated maximum volume, you know, it's gonna be in that 10 to 20 rep range, like I said. And you should be kind of focusing on uh, reading your body, right? So you should be getting sore every once in a while, but not too sore. It shouldn't like linger for days. Um, you should leave tired after the gym, but not crashing or in pain or aching or like you can barely breathe. Um, you should have a little bit of room to add uh, if progress picks up. So what that means is like you, you could finish a training session and be like, I could have added another set, but it would have probably smoked me. I could have added another set, but I'd be at the gym for longer than I want to. Um, I could have added more weight, but I might have risked injury. You're in the perfect range, right? You're in the perfect range of volume, intensity, um, and then your frequency is how you use that as a tool to balance that out. Um, and the last thing we're going to talk about today real quick is just rep ranges in general, right? I already just touched on the fact that low rep equals strength. Both can equal hypertrophy, um, but we also have to consider how do we how do we undulate this how do we alternate between low reps and high reps how often should we do that should we follow a block periodization approach where we f- stick with one specific rep range for a full block and then we shift to another one? Or should we focus on every single session, every single week, something along those lines to where now it's less about uh, a full block staying in one energy system or one zone of training and rather we're we're kind of concurrently training or undulating our training. And in most situations, I believe we should be undulating our training. Um, There was a cool study. There's quite a bit of studies and Mike Zordos does a lot of the research on uh, daily undulated training. But there was a, a study that I'm going to refer to right now that's called traditional versus daily undulating periodization in strength and local muscle endurance gains on trained men. Um, And unfortunately, most of these studies are on men. However, I don't think there's too much of a difference between men and women. Um, There's more cardiovascular differences in men and women um, and then muscle growth potential in men and women. However, that might be the reason why most of these studies are done in men when targeting muscle group growth or strength um, because hormonally speaking, they can do it a little bit faster on average. And what that means is that they can get more out of a study and see more uh, statistically significant results in a six to 12 week period, which is where usual most studies kind of remain in that period of time, because any longer than that gets really difficult to get people to adhere, to accumulate the data, so on and so forth. Um, But what we found is undulated reps uh, ranges are either the same, if not better. So in some situations, it's neutral. In some situations, it's better. But what this tells us is maybe we should get rid of this idea of block periodization, right? Because in most research, what we're finding is even if your main goal is strength, you will get the same, if not better results, by doing everything per week. So a typical undulated periodization model would be for the bench press, for example, you would do one day strength, one day speed, one day hypertrophy, or you would do one to two days strength, one day hypertrophy, or speed, right? So you can do a weekly undulated model as well, where maybe every single week you do strength because that's your main goal, and then the weeks in between you alternate between uh, hypertrophy and speed. Right. And so what this allows you to do is train multiple modalities, multiple energy systems, multiple focuses every single week. And what they found is that it's the same, if not better. So if we know that low reps are better for strength, but all reps work for hypertrophy, however, higher reps are easier to manage volume over time, uh, which makes it way better for volume and which is why like the whole rep range thing is somewhat true because you're more likely to be able to manage your, your training if, uh, for hypertrophy if you stay in that higher rep range most of the time because you can recover better. You don't have to spend as much time in the gym. You can accumulate tension on the muscle easier. Um, and we now know that undulating works just as well. What really is the answer? Well, the answer is probably undulation. It means that you should either be doing both intensities every week or every session. So like I said at the very beginning, two-thirds to three-fourths of your volume should be on your main thing. So if your main goal is body composition changes, two-thirds to three-fourths of every session or every week should be in the uh, higher rep range because that's what you're going to get the most bang for your buck when it comes to body composition changes, eight to 20 rep range. And the other one-third to one one-fourth to one-third of your programming should be in the low rep range. Now, if you're very 50-50, you can split this up on a weekly basis. And that's what I would probably recommend, which would mean you're on an upper-lower split. Day one upper, you're doing low reps, max effort strength, right? So now we're staying below the eight rep range. So we're going from like three to six for everything we do. Compounds, accessories, everything. Maybe you do some isolation at the End, that's like eight reps. So it's on the very low end of hypertrophy, but the mass, vast majority of that entire day is going to be lower reps. And then the vast majority of the next day on upper body or lower body is higher reps. So maybe you do a bench press on Monday for three sets of three or five sets of three or something, low rep heavy weight. And then day two upper body, you're doing bench press again, but you're doing eight to 12 reps, right? And then your accessory work, your isolation is all in the eight, 10, 12, 15, 20 rep range versus the first day that was in the lower rep Ranges. So below six. Now we have a day for strength and a day for hypertrophy. This is a daily undulated periodization model um, with just two focuses because your goal is split down the middle. If your goal is is uh more leaning on body composition, I would suggest doing this on a daily basis. So in that same upper lower scenario, you might do your compound lift and lower rep range. This is typically what I do. Uh, I have a bench press or an overhead press or on a leg day it's a squat or a deadlift. And I am doing one, three, five reps, low reps. Maybe I do an accessory after that, like an RDL or, or a heavy dumbbell bench press or military press in the lower rep range as well, maybe four to six rep range. But then the rest of the day is spent in the pump zone, eight, 10, 12, 15, 20. So when I look at my weekly volume, majority of it is definitely in the higher rep ranges, more targeting hypertrophy and getting the most bang for my buck there. And then a little bit of it is still in that low rep neurological strength zone. And that's just at the beginning of the session. Um, right? So the, the last thing I will say on any of this is that um, there is a reason to do very hard isometrics, so pauses and holds, or extremely high reps, like 20-plus reps, um, to create metabolic fatigue because it is, ha- they have both been shown to recruit more motor units, uh, which may lead to more muscle growth. So on top of the general advice I've already given, uh, considering uh, metabolite accumulation, which is really just metabolic fatigue, right, uh, taking your muscle to metabolic fatigue, Um, This goes beyond the endurance rate. This is where we are doing 20, 30 30 reps in a set and we're going to failure or we're holding a contraction very hard for a long period of time. Um, And there's two ways to do this. And they have both been shown to accumulate muscle. And this is where like uh, metabolite accumulation can be uh, mistaken for lactic acid. Um, It's not actually lactic acid. It would be considered lactate production. Our body's always producing lactate at all times. So there's really no non-lactate production training or living at all. However, um, lactate threshold, which is debatable if it's true just because some of the research coming out, it's not. it shouldn't be called that. We can call it that because it makes sense to most people, but that lactate accumulation is, is basically what we're talking about here, right? You're accumulating metabolites, you're accumulating lactate, you're metabolically fatiguing muscle, you get that burning sensation, a pump that's crazy, um, a lot of blood flow, oxygen, hydration, all that stuff into the muscle. That's what we're after here. And some of that is necessary, right? It does train a different energy system. It does accumulate metabolites. I would recommend it. I do one set of this in every single session. So I go from doing three to five reps down to like six to 10 reps, then some isolation work in the 12 to 15 reps. And then I usually do something towards the tail end in the 20 to 30 rep range where I just crush a muscle, uh, metabolically, um, depending on the day of the week uh, that I'm training, if it's lower body or upper body and what my main focus is. So for legs, I typically do this to quads because I'm more interested in growing my quads right now. Um, and for upper body, I usually do this with my traps, rear delts, or biceps because I want those muscles to be bigger. Um, but you can also use this as a hard isometric. So the best ways to do this is you can add a low rep or an isometric prior to high rep uh, to recruit the muscle fibers, then fatigue it. So what this would look like is a contrast set. Um, I did this the other week with uh, the weight releasers. So weight releasers, you put on the bar and when you get to the bottom end of the range, uh, the end of the bar, the weight releaser hits the ground and it releases off the bar. So you can put plates on it. So we put plates on these weight releasers. I control the negative at 300 pounds, as slow as I possibly can. This is a long, slow isometric. I try to pause towards the tail end. So I'm just really just just holding that tension as much as I can. Then a lot of weight drops off and then I rep out weights. So I accumulate muscle fibers and motor units and then I go for it. You can also do this by just doing one single rep at 90% or above. Unloading some reps and doing a drop set of six to 12 reps, you can do this by holding an isometric. So um, maybe doing a isometric fly, so holding the rack or something where you're you're doing a fly but you're pressing against it, so you're actively activating your chest and you're just holding that isometric contraction. Then you go into push-ups or or a dumbbell bench press or something like that. Make sure you're being safe with these because they can be dangerous, uh, especially if you don't have a spotter. Um, And then the other way to do this is just to uh, add a metabolite accumulation set um, in order to maximize metabolic fatigue, um, and just adds that hypertrophy and pump effect, like I talked about before. The other day on a leg day, I did cyclist squats, so I did leg extensions superset with cyclist squats, uh, 15 reps of leg extensions, and then I max out on bodyweight cyclist squats at like 20 to 25 reps and just burn up the quads for a couple sets. That's exactly what this is like. Okay, guys, so. Today, we covered a lot again, uh, determining volume, intensity, and frequency. We went over determining your specific goal and how much volume, uh, the the specificity principle of volume. We talked about uh, figuring out your current volume, intensity, and frequency, choosing the right amount of volume, intensity, and frequency, um, what those ranges look like. And we dove into rep ranges at the end and kind of tied it all with a nice little bow. Um, so as always guys, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me, you can reach out, um, via Instagram. You can reach out via email. All that stuff is easy to find on me. You can also give me, uh, any ideas for future topics or Q and A's by clicking the ask boom, boom link. We have, uh, one or two more parts of this, probably two more parts. So we're going to dive into exercise selection, sequencing, and progression model for part three. And it is going to be four parts. And then part four is going to be the finer details. And this is where we go into tempo, rest, supersetting, cardio, et cetera, right? The, the, the artistic sides of program design the little details Um, but if you have anything else you want me to create a topic on uh, where you want me to go and do a series a multiple episode series on please click the ask boom boom link give me your topic suggestion so I can see that Um, and as always guys if you enjoyed this podcast if you liked it do me a favor share it on your Instagram um, leave us a five-star rating review tell your friends about it um, and make sure that you check out the free guides on our website because some of them dive deep into this topic and I think you'll really enjoy it so until next time guys I appreciate you and we'll talk to you soon we